This is the local delicacy known as Skyline Chili. Five way. First, the, uh, the disgusting chili gravy. And what do you put on the onions? You put some mustard or something? Yeah, I don't know. Wait a second. After the onions comes the cheese, and that's what makes it the five way. Here it goes, the cheese. They put like 10 tons of shredded cheese on there. And this is supposed to be <laughs> food that you actually eat. This is interesting to see your daily sports podcast about news, narratives, takes, and gambling. I am Nick Andrews. That was courtesy of the New York Mets broadcast against the Cincinnati Reds last night. New York just smashing Skyline Chili, calling it disgusting. Of course, New York, obviously the most perfect city in the world with no problems and everything is great. <laughs> uh, big show. Today, all narratives, not going to do much sports reporting. I'm pretty excited. It's National or International Chess Day. And so I want to remind you that Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player in the world, is also the coolest competitor in the world. And in the link in the show notes, you can find the swaggiest thing I've ever seen, which was in the middle of his world championship defense in 2014 when he was fending off a challenger. He fell asleep four moves in. He took a little 10-second power nap right there. On television, and if that's not that's the swaggiest thing I've ever seen, literally falling asleep. Um, do I consider chess a sport? Yes, actually, I didn't. And then a Stanford researcher found out that they can burn like six thousand calories a day during their power matches because they're so stressed out, which is incredibly intense. But today, we're going to talk about the state of the Packers financially. Why is that relevant? Because it's the only public availability of the state of the league financially because they're a publicly held company. We're also going to talk about COVID nineteen in the NFL. And we're going to talk about the sex beds in the Tokyo Olympics. But we begin our show with the greatest rivalry in sports that's butting up, and that is Jared Goff versus, versus Matthew Stafford, excuse me. So ESPN released the top 10 quarterbacks, linemen, every, every position. Matthew Stafford falls in number six after previously not being on the list for years and years, and then all of a sudden he's number six. The only thing that changed is that now he plays for Sean McVay, so everyone's like, is there too much hype? Was he underrated? Is he overrated? What's happening? Jimmy Ward, defensive back for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. The Niners own Sean McVay. I don't think he's ever beat them, which is absolutely hysterical. He said, quote, I like Stafford, but they still have the same players, so he'll be throwing two. Uh, this is, he told this to someone at Sports Illustrated. Um, he's the same quarterback who was on the Detroit Lions and they didn't go to the playoffs and they had Megatron. What was the problem over there in Detroit? Are you going to blame the city? Was it the money? If the city didn't have enough money to bring players, should it even have an NFL team? He then said something about Jared Goff. He said, well, they had Jared Goff and he won playoff games. He went to the Super Bowl. I haven't seen that with Matthew Stafford. He, and then he goes and he says, he backs up. He says, he's great. He's a top 10 quarterback, maybe top five. I don't know. We'll see. But Jared Goff got those boys to the Super Bowl. So this, I think tomorrow we'll get into the whole Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff thing because there are some interesting stats. It's, it's just going to be great. That might be my number one favorite narrative to just watch the world burn in 2021. It's going to be epic. We're going to preview the New York Jets at the end of the show. Well, let's get into the, the biggest story of the day, and that is this uh, Cole Beasley, Michael Irvin vaccination mess. So Michael Irvin told someone at ESPN – hey, if you're not vaccinated, you don't want to win bad enough. So NFL teams who have 85% of their players vaccinated by a certain deadline coming up soon, they won't have to follow much COVID protocol. 
if you are not vaccinated and the team is not at 85% vaccination rate, it's a completely different situation. Essentially, if you're not vaccinated and the team's not at 85%, you're living in 2020. You have to you bubble up. You can't travel on the bye week. You have to eat alone. It's really crazy. And there are a lot of players that like are fine with that. They don't want the vaccine, which is ironic to me because um, they're like long-term health risk. What's putting my body like, dude, you get concussions like for money. Like we all know that you don't care about your long-term health. I don't, I don't understand the situation. You opt into not caring about your long-term health for the sake of money, whatever. So he says, quote, nothing else can be more important. You're not going to get this winning a Super Bowl easily. Nothing else could be important. Nothing else is more important. Nothing else is more important. He just reiterated and reiterated and reiterated. Then Cole Beasley, noted anti-vaxxer and someone. So Cole Beasley, when this vaccination thing came out, he said he doesn't want to get vaccinated and he threatened to retire if he was forced to get a vaccination or if he was suspended or whatever. So sometimes when my cat is really hungry and she just meows at me and she yells at me to give her food, I call her a, a fuss pause. It's been a big old fuss pause. And that's what Cole Beasley is. Just a, just a little fuss pause. He's being really fussy. So here he is, quote, tweeting. And if you can see it on YouTube, if you're watching. If you're unvaccinated, it means you don't want to win. Cole, Cole Beasley, in his infinite wisdom, quote, that's not what that means. You can be vaccinated and not do all the right things football-wise to be at your best. All it means is players are going to be out here with COVID, and we won't know because they only get tested once a week so the NFL can make their money. So Cole's like, we don't need vaccines. We need testing. Again, living in 2020, if you're unvaccinated. And then this random dude says, well, you run a much higher risk of testing positive and missing games without the vaccine. True. And then Cole Beasley, again, infinite wisdom, says, quote, I missed zero games last year and nobody had the vaccine. So the percentages are on my side. It's because you were in a bubble, bro, which you're going to be in again if you're not vaccinated. Of course, Cole Beasley is trending. The most ironic part about this is pro football talk. Mike Florio clapped back at Cole Beasley with a quote tweet because Sean Hannity noted Republican conservative right-wing commentator on Fox News, essentially like the manifestation of former President Donald Trump, said last night on the air that he believes in vaccine science and he wants everyone to get vaccinated. And Pro Football Talk, of course, CC'd Cole Beasley in that tweet. It's going to be a huge deal. Uh, the other interesting thing about the vaccines in the NFL is because of the different rules and regulations surrounding unvaccinated players. We're going to know who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. I suspect very strongly our boy TB12, Tom Brady, is not going to get vaccinated, which would be just the most ironic fall from grace if what is his, ends up being his undoing is that he can't play because he gets COVID or he's unvaccinated or he, you know, just like Cole Beasley, ends up being a big old fuss pause. However, um, it has been recently suggested that Tom Brady says one thing and does another, like how he doesn't believe there should be workouts in the offseason, and then he works out in the offseason. He will do anything he can, anything he can to get a competitive advantage. All right, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and the money thing. And this, again, the Packers part of this is irrelevant. The Packers are a publicly held company, so it's the only window into how much money is moving hands in the NFL. All the other teams are essentially private-owned businesses. So the Packers operated at a massive loss last year. Like, we knew it was going to be bad. We didn't know it was going to be this bad. It was kind of crazy. So the NFL had a revenue share. The NFL teams have two sources of revenue. One's a revenue share from the league, and the other one's their own money. Last year was a record, massive increase. They went up by $13 million to $309 million in revenue. But the Packers went from $211 million in local revenue and their own revenue stream down to 62. million. 
Now, it's one of the smallest markets, but it's one of the most popular teams. That's jersey sales, that's ticket sales, all of that stuff. People traveling from all over the world to see the Packers games because they're so popular. From $211 million to $62 million, $38 million loss. At, I, I'm not sure how this is going to impact other teams, but you can imagine if you're a privately held business, like, say, the Detroit Lions and the Ford family or the Tennessee Titans, I forget who their ownership is, and you're losing... You know, not only did you not make millions of dollars in cash, you're actually down. I can see why things like free agency was kind of slow. They're just not going to hand out money to people. They're going to try to get this back on top as quickly as they can. But the TV deal was signed. Amazon and Apple are coming on board. It's just kind of interesting to take a look uh, behind the curtain at what's going on in the NFL financially because we all think of them as like this infallible, crazy money printing business, and that's just not the case. All right, let's look at these uh, sex beds in Tokyo. The Tokyo Olympics is in a tough spot specifically because COVID in Japan was at its worst um, a couple of weeks ago. So they're freaking out. There aren't going to be any fans. A lot of athletes are pulling out because there aren't going to be any fans and they don't want people having sex with each other. So if you don't know, the Olympics are a big sex party for the athletes. You win your gold medal, like say you're a fencer, you win your gold medal on day two, then you're there for 10 days. Like, what are you going to do? Usually they hand out like dozens and dozens of condoms to everybody because the athletes are just going to meet other incredibly hot people who have been working really hard for this dream. They achieve the dream. They don't achieve the dream and they hook up. Tokyo's like, well, we can't have them doing that and, sp and spreading COVID. So they made these really weak beds that only hold 400 pounds and there's a cardboard slat under them. So like if you were to do that, you probably would break it unless you're like a gymnast or like a really fit swimmer or whatever. Then of course, um, I had my friend Emily on Twitter. She covers minor league baseball said, oh yeah, that's a good call because you absolutely have to have a bed to have sex. So the, the, so, so the, the Olympic games are using cardboard slats as abstinence motivation, I guess you could say. Oh man. Unbelievable. All right. Let's wrap up with a look at the jets. A couple things, the big jets narratives to watch this year are is Zach Wilson. Good is Robert Sala. Good. They hired former 49ers off or defensive coordinator, Robert Sala to be their head coach. He's the first, I believe Muslim, uh, head coach in the NFL. He hails from Michigan. He was, I would like to say he's the mastermind behind the defense in San Francisco, but I would argue that he, we don't really know how good he is. He had an incredible, incredible, probably multiple hall of famers on his roster during that time. They got lit up by the bills when just one or two of those guys were out. So we'll see how that goes. Zach Wilson looks like a kid. He of course is the second overall draft pick, the BYU quarterback. He looks like a he looks really good. He scrambles around. To me, he kind of looks like Drew Brees, but quite a bit more fit. He has a better deep ball than Drew Brees. He's a good-looking quarterback. They also drafted uh, Ole Miss stud Elijah Moore, a wide receiver. Over-under on their win total is six. That's a stay away from me. I do not bet even numbers. It has to be an odd number so that there's only two outcomes. It's like if they won six games, it would be a push. I don't bet things that can possibly push. Just re remove a variable. Um, I think that's low. I think they're going to go over that. I think they're going to win close to eight games. They have Mackay Becton and Quinn Williams are also really good picks from the last couple of years. They've been coming on strong. Robert Saul is going to have a lot of hype. They're going to run the Kyle Shanahan offense. I think the Jets are going to be pretty good. The odds to make the playoffs plus 400 for the Jets. I kind of really like that bet. Nobody knows what's going on in the AFC. There are like five or six really good teams and then just the, the rest is a mess and nobody knows what's going on. So I kind of like that bet plus 400 to make the playoffs. 
I don't know, rookie of the year. The rookie of the year bet is the most interesting thing. I will say that there is never, ever, ever, any ever circumstances ever where you should not bet on a quarterback to win rookie of the year. And if they don't, then you know you just got unlucky. But we all want to bet on a receiver running back. Last year, Justin Jefferson from the Minnesota Vikings had the greatest rookie year for a wide receiver ever. And he wasn't even close. Justin Herbert smashed him in the rookie of the year. Zach Wilson's odds are fascinating to me because he's behind even a running back. So Zach Wilson, who is a quarterback, and you think the quarterback's going to be favorite for rookie of the year. Right now, Trevor Lawrence is the clear-cut favorite, and that's obvious. He was the first overall pick. He's going to be a really good player. Then it's Justin Fields, who's not the starter in Chicago yet. Then it's Najee Harris. And then it's Zach Wilson for the New York Jets. So at plus, what is it, 750? At plus 750, Zach Wilson, he's behind Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and Najee Harris. He's the fifth favorite to win rookie of the year. That just screams to me. I already have a future on Mac Jones. I bet it before he was drafted because I knew he was going to the Niners or the Patriots, and that's what ended up happening. I love love my bet on Mac Jones, but Zach Wilson at plus 750 is a smash. I love that bet for futures. Uh, And that's going to do it for interesting to see for... Tuesday, July 20th. Subscribe to the show wherever podcasts are found. Follow me on YouTube, etc., etc. Be back with NBA previews and reviews and stuff for the rest of the week. And then we'll continue our NFL previews as the season ramps up. We're only less than two weeks away. People reporting to training camp. Season's right around the corner.